Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, PK, Patricia Kirkman. How are you doing tonight? Not bad at all. Still the foggy voice, I'm sorry to say, but hopefully it'll be getting better. Uh, What can you say? It's just hot. Just hot and hot and hot. (laughs) (laughs) We had a heat We've had rain. Yeah. We we had you know temperatures in the high nineties, but it's nothing like what you guys have out in Tucson. Well, did you see the little note I sent you about the, we had the rains that just hit started, and the roads yes. that are already closed and such as this. Then that we had a train derail down uh, about a mile and a half from here, and oh so traffic is backed up because of the train derailment on the major highway. And then the water has got all these different roads closed, so people are going crazy trying to find an outlet to get home. Oh, my Today goodness. Today looks what a mess. better. Mess. Yep. Uh, I'll just stay home you, and eat bonbons. That's the idea. And talk to our wonderful audience because we have got a great show tonight. We have a fascinating guest. We've been dying to get him on the show. We have Dr. Dennis Swift with us. He's going to be joining us shortly, talking about dinosaurs and humans side by side. We're going to be talking about the figurines from Acambaro, and we're going to be talking about what he found in Peru, in the American Southwest, all over the place, all over the world. There's evidence that is being hidden from us, but we're going to find out tonight because the truth is right here on Supernatural Girls Radio. So, First, before we even get started with this incredible topic tonight, PK, what is happening with the numbers? Well, unfortunately, there's not anything really fabulously wonderful taking place right now because this month is all about wrapping up old things and ending the negative that's been out there. We're seeing that with what's going on in Europe right now with the meetings going on. We're seeing that on a day-to-day basis here in the States. Unfortunately, it's negative, trying to make way for some positive to take place. And it's out there. It's possible. But we're going to hear more and more about things taking a downward spiral before we get to August, which will give us that spin and a major turnaround. But for right now, don't look for anything to stay calm and quiet. It's, there's bumping and dumping of all kinds of things happening around us and it's going to go on for the rest of the month unfortunately we're going to find out some more issues about things from going on behind closed doors that we're going to really be sorry that we're hearing but it's out there and 
we're going to be made privy to it. it maybe they'll start dropping some breadcrumbs this month where it all blare out next month. But I'm thinking a good portion of it's going to happen this month. Wow. So hang on. Hang on. To do with the UFO stuff, we always talk well, about this possible disclosure. What do you think? Will we get some breadcrumbs on that? I think we may. I think we may. And I think that if we definitely don't hear, we're certainly going to get something come October. Oh, that's right. You've talked major about major our- changes. Because mm-hmm. it's all about oh, communications. Good. The communications are going to go crazy after October 1st. No kidding. So got oh, a, that a, sounds like- a lot of good things coming, but we've got to get rid of this. You know, get your shovel, dig your hole, bag it, get it out of here so we can go on and get the good stuff going. Yeah, clear out that negativity. We're yeah. all for that. Hey, good job. Well, all right. And what about the dream state, young lady? How are you doing with that? Oh, my uh, goodness. You know, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. There's a lot of people reporting unusual dream activity in the last two weeks mm-hmm. and being visited by entities they've never encountered before. Uh, some of them are Indian deities, and some of them are just unexplainable. They don't know who these entities are, where they're coming from. But they're walking into people's dreams. People are seeing them even right before they go to sleep at night. So pay attention, everybody. There's a, a lot of visitation happening, which is pretty yes, exciting. I mean, so far, so far. I'm hearing that from some of my clients. Some of my clients oh. are mention, make, mention of that very thing. So it's that very so interesting. Tough. Yes, I think uh, the, the veil is so thin. But besides that, these entities are, are coming into our reality. And so we might as well open up to see what they have to say. And like I said, so far, it's all been positive. This is nothing negative. This is not demonic. <clears throat> this is right. all positive coming from this uh, God-Goddess um, layer. So it's, it's fascinating. Well, I also, I wanted. Do a quick shout out to our buddy Lon Duquette. Today is his seventieth birthday. Oh, so, happy birthday! Happy birthday, Lon. We love you, and we want you to have many more. So there it is, live on the air, Lon. You better be listening. So <laughs> <laughs> ready or not, here it comes. <laughs> We're gonna it's a good you day listen for him. And it's a great it's a day great for him. For him. Yes. So uh, I wanted to also mention, PK, people would love to have a numerological reading with you. They can find you at patriciakirkman.com. You can also find PK on our website, supernaturalgirls.com. And you'll find PK's email address. You can email her and schedule your own personal session if you'd like and get in touch with what's happening for you for the rest of your year. It's it's a very, very good and powerful thing to do. And if you want more help with your dreams, don't hesitate to contact me. I'm on the Supernatural Girls page. If you want help with setting up your own dream group with your own friends and or just your own dream work, just let me know. So I'm on the website there. Make sure you're signed up for our newsletter, The Fringe Files, and go to our Facebook page because we've got some really great stories this week. We got some last week when we were off for the holiday, but be sure that you're following us on Facebook and Twitter so that you can watch all this great stuff that people are writing about. We have a story, as you saw, PK, about Scotland. They actually have, isn't that cool? They have a plan, a plan. 
if somebody finds the Loch Ness monster, isn't that something? So they they've started. This is a great story by Paul Seaburn in Mysterious Universe, and he talks about what would you do if you saw the Loch Ness monster. So it's a question that people ask. But one group that does have a plan for a real Nessie sighting is the Scottish Natural Heritage Organization. So it drew up 17, let's see, instructions 17 years ago in the event that Mm -hmm. the Loch Ness Monster is ever seen and is ever captured. And what we found very cool, didn't we, is that they don't want any harm to come to Nessie. That if somebody encounters Nessie, if somebody uh, wants to take a DNA sample, they must return Nessie to the lock, period. That's it. Mm-hmm. There can be no destruction of the Loch Ness Monster. So I thought that was a step in the right direction, didn't you? Oh, definitely. It's about time that we started taking good care of things instead of trying to destroy them or pin them in. I know it. And, and, you know, because people have talked about hunting Bigfoot and we're going to kill a Bigfoot. No, it's really a terrible way to approach any of this. So it's nice that they have this plan. I hope they can keep people to it. That is it's going to be the hard part. But um, certainly yeah. there needs to be respect for all life and even unusual life like Nessie or Bigfoot or uh, any of the crypt- cryptoids that we have talked about on the show that are so fascinating. So, but tonight, oh my gosh, we have Dr. Dennis Swift. Now, you remember, we had scheduled Dennis a while ago, but he had come mm-hmm. back from Peru and he's ill. Thank God he's recovered right. now. So happy. Definitely he's, he's good. On. Yes, that's good news. And I want to tell you a little bit about him. He's a fascinating guy. He's an archaeologist, an adventurer, a cryptozoologist. And he has conducted archaeological and scientific research in Peru, Bolivia, Egypt, Israel, Turkmenistan, Mexico, and the American Southwest. Now, he's considered to be the leading authority on dinosaurs and man living together. And he's also an expert on high technology and ancient civilizations. These are some of our favorite, favorite topics. He's traveled the world. He's documented rock art, artifacts, and hidden museum pieces that show dinosaurs. And he is considered to be the leader in this field. He's been on lots of television uh, programs, lots of radio programs. He was on Coast to Coast. He was on National Geographic, Discovery Channel's Weird or What with William Shatner. And he's been featured in the news and articles all over Peru, Mexico, Russia, and other locations worldwide. And we're very honored to have him with us tonight. So, Dennis, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. It is our pleasure. You are the real-life Indiana Jones of all of these explorations. Now, what is it that drew you to dinosaurs and humans? Well, back in the 1970s, I was at Chaco Canyon with my father in New Mexico. And, you know, New Mexico looks like 200,000 square miles of kitty litter, you know, the desert. <laughs> so I've, I, oh, well, I, 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 I've always bought two or three books a week. But I, I bought this book on uh, by Fran Barnes on... Uh, 
the Anastasi Indians of the American Southwest had just been published. And in the back of the book was some anomalous uh, uh, petroglyphs, rock art and pictographs, mm-hmm. rock art paintings and rock art carvings from the period of the Anasazi and Desert Archaic from anywhere from about uh, 1500 B.C. to around 1100 A.D. And a few of them they couldn't explain because there were dinosaurs on them. And mm-hmm. so then I put that away, and I happened to hear a creation speaker, Dr. Don Chittick, and he talked about dinosaurs and man living together. This was in the 80s. And I said, my goodness, I have a book with that rock art. So I immediately got with some other people, and I went looking for that uh, those rock art. And uh, so that's where we started out on this journey and found them. And then I've been to, to many countries, have many, many uh, bona fide, one-of-a-kind artifacts. And they're an- amazing anatomically correct. They predate uh, the textbooks that are constantly changing. For instance, uh, we speak of the Akambal figurines. There are dermal spines on them. Uh, Stephen Zirkus in 1991 in geology, uh, volume 5, page 295, and following, he he found fossilized dinosaur impressions of dinosaur skin, and it showed they had the little spines on the back, some of them, uh, similar to the scoots on alligators, but a little bit larger. And... Lo and behold, the the Akambaro figurines are accurate. But I first heard of the Akambaro figurines back in the 70s with Charles Hapgood. Uh, He went down there with uh, Earl Stanley Garner, who had done all the mysteries and was the guy Perry Mason TV series. They -hmm. happened to go down there in a car on the railroad track. (laughs) Stanley Garner put his car with a special made thing and they drove from Los Angeles to Acambaro, Mexico on the railroad track. I hope somebody had somebody to clear the trains ahead of them. Yeah. And so Earl Stanley Garner got involved in that. Charles Hapgood trying to solve the mystery. But there are just uh, incredible things in the Acambaro collection. Like there's a an iguanodon dinosaur. Uh, it's completely correct the way we'd understand it today and we it was found in the 1940s and uh, when they first depicted the iguanodon 1877 they had it standing upright it kept changing through time and we didn't get it right till about 1985 to 1990 and here these ancient people had it correct and they had to see a living breathing dinosaur to depict it accurately mm. so there's many wow. mysteries about they had to. Yes. They had to see it to be able to to, yes. to make these fixed scenes. There's no way that yes. they could just drink up. Gosh. And also now, they found about eight years ago uh, a duck-billed dinosaur, and when they put it in the largest C-scan machine in the world, Boeing down in Los Angeles, the material of the dinosaur, they could see that it had stripes on part of it, like a zebra. And the ancient people, I have a couple of vases where they put the dinosaurs with dermal spines and with stripes like zebras. So some of them uh, looked at like that. (laughs) So there's lots of that. Yeah, and it's all over the world, but yet this is 
considered something that's in dispute. Why is that? It's like they can't accept these discoveries. What's what? What is that about? Well, once everything gets in control, the academic professions, the schools, the textbooks, it's hard to make a change. People keep putting it away as an anomaly. And you have to build up enough anomalies that it causes an avalanche to overthrow the prevailing theory. For instance, you know Mary Schweitzer in 2005. First, a veterinarian was the, the, the person that spotted it and told her the the blood that's in uh, T-Rex bones. Well, red blood cells don't, uh, you know, stay, exist for 65 million years. You know, they right. might last a few thousand at maximum, but not five, six thousand or something, but not millions of years. And now they've found them in other bones. They've found them in triceratop bones. They've also found spongy fiber in the bones that their muscle tissue would have been similar to um, some of them like an ostrich, springing us in the legs. And this still is in the bones. So they have to be fairly recent. And in the Bible, dinosaurs are mentioned 34 times. Uh, Although it doesn't work to dinosaurs, the King James has the correct dragon. And pitifully buffeted Job, when he was sitting in an ash heap covered with boils, scraping them with postures and crying out of his misery. And there's seven chapters of questions. And one of them is God says, where were you? And he talks about the behemoth with the tightly knit sinews and the bronze-like legs with the big metal-type tubes that would be like bones. Of course, he's describing and in a tail like a cedar tree. Only a sauropod dinosaur has a tree that looks like a, a tail like that would be long and come to a tip like a cedar tree. So it's, again, it's it's a, a correct depiction. He had to see a living, breathing dinosaur. Yeah, so there there were these 34 references in the Bible. There's all kinds of yep. archaeological evidence that you've uncovered. Now, with the Akambara figurines, let's go back to that for a minute, if we can, because that was discovered by, uh, who was that? It was a German man, right, in Mexico? Yeah, his name was Voldemort Julesred. He came from Germany, and he fought in the, uh, Amer- the, in the Mexican Civil War, and he settled in the town of Acambado, and he ran a hardware store. And in 19, about 1941, he was out riding his horse on El Toro Bull Mountain, and he looked down and saw a piece of pottery sticking out of the ground. And he unearthed it, and he began to find pieces of pottery. So then he hired a guy paid him less than 10 cents for each piece and they excavated and the collection started growing and it amassed to somewhere between 33,000 and 40,000 pieces. It took over his life, his hardware store, his five or six room house and bathroom and everything. In fact, he had so much that he slept in the bathtub (laughs) in the end. And uh, and so people came down, like uh, Lowell Harmer was the a reporter with the Los Angeles Times newspaper. He came in 1954, 
and did an article, and then he also wrote a piece in Fate magazine. He had an old uh, 8-millimeter film projector, and they went out to a spot, and they were digging. And as they dug down, they found some artifacts. Entwined around them were tree roots very deep, so they weren't recently planted. Um, 1954, the Mexican government sent four archaeologists to Acambaro to investigate, and they chose a site of their own. They said, we're going to dig here, not where other people are digging. And they found several pieces of Acambaro figurines, and they also found one dinosaur. And then in their official report, they said, in spite of the legitimacy of the find, uh, it's just too impossible. Now, can you imagine, in spite of the legitimacy of the find, <laughs> this, this can't be. And We're just going to uh, ridiculous. Well, there was mm-hmm. lots of controversy. There was some mixture. I've looked at thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces. Myself and Don Patton, we were there many times. And we stir up enough anxiety dust and went to the government. The uh, the boxes were in old cardboard boxes. The figurines were put in the police station in a in a old storage area, and we got them out and began to photograph them. And then we went to the government at Guanajuato. Vicente Fox was the governor of that state at the time, and he later became president of Mexico. And we appealed that they build a museum. And they eventually did, and they put it in the worst spot in town because they don't want the world to know about ah. these incredible artifacts. Mm-hmm. So it, it was going to be in the main square, but it's it's just where people wouldn't even look for it, and they don't advertise it. Uh, then uh, we, we also got it where uh, photographed over 20,000 pieces. That's what's left of the collection. And while that was being done, uh, Don Patton and I were over to the museum and taking some other pictures. And then, again, city officials, they took some of the best pieces, some very large ones. So we know it's being looted as a collection. Mm. But, yeah, there's there's all kinds of things in that collection that are very, very mysterious. Yeah, and they have and mysterious What's that? They have mysterious effects. I know you and I were discussing this before the show, that these artifacts uh, seem to have, as you described it, something with them. Tell us more about that. Did, have you heard stories about things that have happened in concert with these artifacts? Well, definitely there are things that happen. And I take a different perspective of it. Uh, because, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I see it as demonic activity, like fallen angels can impersonate things, and they they come, and yes, I've been there when some uh, in different situations where there were manifestations of some type of spiritual being, no doubt about it. And even once filming with National Geographic in a place which scared everybody. Wow. Yeah, now tell us about that, because this isn't Acambaro. This is somewhere else, right? You were in Peru, was it? I was in Peru that time. Another time I was at a site in, well, 
we, um, I was trying to prove the legitimacy of the Ica stones, different stones that have been found that have all kinds of things on them, like dinosaurs and many other things on these, on these stones. And uh, Alessandro, I can't pronounce all his name in Spanish, but in an official excavation in 1961, he was the number two uh, all-time Peruvian uh, archaeologist, and he, he did find some stones with engravings on them. And I had, these were tomb looters. They know where the tombs are. And I was with yeah. some people filming with National Geographic, and we were on top of a mesa. Uh, Chica, it was called, we're a place where the Inca Chincha people used to live. Uh, they were in between uh, the Inca people and the Incas. So about 1000 AD. And no hmm. doubt when this particular tomb was opened, and it was a poor people's tomb, there wasn't much there, but it was palpable, no question. Everybody felt this eerie presence coming across the dunes, and there was something about it that was just downright uh, spooky and uh, just strange. And, uh, of course, as a Christian, I take authority over those things. They don't have authority over me because uh, mm -hmm. Jesus said you have authority. Authority, but uh, it's it was interesting. National Geographic is interested in the proof until you find some. And this <laughs> segment, <laughs> this segment That's was never was never uh, put on TV. Um, and they also we. We found a figure. Are you are you familiar with the Nazca lines, the big geoglyphs yeah. on the desert? Yeah. And I've been there many times, and I wrote a book, and there's a couple of chapters in there about the Nazca lines. Well, we were filming over Pampa, Nazca, and I found a, a site, and there is a dinosaur there similar to a Stryrochosaurus. Not quite the same, but it has the features of, of a species that's similar except a little bit different than a, than a Triceratops. And so the head of all the Nazca lines, who has a Ph.D. in archaeology, was standing there discussing this and said, we even found this thing, the dinosaur. And National Geographic, they're not going to put that on TV. Ah, so it proved the existence. Yeah. For God's sake. And these yeah. same people... The same people, you know, they have lots of pottery and fabrics with dinosaurs on them. From 500 mm -hmm. B.C. to about 1100 A.D. And I'm finishing a second book, and it has, it'll have all this with the, the, the pictures and the drawings and the, and the evidence. Oh, so, that would be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, make sure you let us We're, know so that we can announce that for everybody yeah, and they can yes, buy it. Yes. This is a great, great topic. My God. And surprisingly, and, and surprisingly, this is where some of the, the best artifacts are with the conehead people. You know, the strange little people with the, the heads, the, they call them coneheads. And, now, is this one that been recently found in Peru that we know about? Anyway? Well, they've been finding, but they're in Paracas, the Paracas conehead people. Uh, the paranormal people, a lot of them are trying to make them aliens from space. Other people 
Christians, a lot of them try to make them offspring of the Nephilim that the angels came down and converting with women and is a hybrid offspring. But my DNA stuff, which was done at Liberty University, they're, they're, they're human. And uh, they, they do have, I found uh, evidence when they were even like about a year old, they, they already had their head shaped into a cone shape. Um, the head going through the birth canal has some elasticity to it. And so their DNA that we did was Middle Eastern. And, uh, oh, no. Okay. And it was a group of people who, well, there were people who came over who were redheaded uh, seafarers. Most of them were redheaded people from the Middle East. And they lived in the sand dunes. They, they cooked and stuff on top of the sand dunes, but their, their dwellings were underneath. And uh, mm, I would like to see the inside of one of those. Yeah. And now I found that it was a colony of black people that lived next to them. Huh. So we're doing their DNA. Thanks. You know, what oh. were they doing there, you know? Yeah, really? And they, oh, my they, goodness. They appear, to be, they appear to be normal size and, you know, the, all the distinctive negroid features. And, again, and you now, find these artifacts with dinosaurs on them from these different tombs. Yeah. But see, this is, this is the evidence. This is the proof. There's no question. When you find these things over and over again all over the world, it's, it's just mind-boggling that they would try to cover this up and pretend it doesn't exist, but that's what they're doing. So thank goodness for well, you, Dennis, because you're coming out and telling well, us the truth about For sure. Well, you know, it's always fascinating there's evidence left behind. Yes. Now, if I might skip over to say, you know, when Jesus was in the garden and Peter cut off Malchus's ear, the high priest's servant, he cut off his ear. You know, and Jesus nice. put it back on. Every right. time Malchus would look in his reflection in the water or in a mirror, he would know Jesus is the Lord. And every time Caiaphas, the high priest, would look at him, he would know that Jesus is Lord. And the thing is, I find there's always evidence left behind. If the Bible's true about dinosaurs and man living together, then we would find evidence. And there's plenty of it in Peru and in petroglyphs, in the in the, the red blood cells, in the tissue, and that's all evidence supporting that they're, they're recent, not millions of years old. Gosh, incredible. Well, we're going to take a very short commercial break, Dennis, and we will come right back. We have a lot more to talk about. This is just so fascinating. I know we're learning a lot listening to you tonight. So stay tuned, everybody. You're listening to Supernatural Girls Radio, and we will be right back. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with Cosmic Fusion and Quantum Vortex Energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the Source. With Cosmic Fusion, the Source Energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. 
sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All Astridian products contain the proprietary redox technology having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200 an hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridium family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti-Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridian. Visit www.astridian.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridian, the beauty of being healthy. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, PK, and our fascinating guest tonight, Dr. Dennis Swift, an archaeologist, adventurer, and cryptozoologist. And he's at the leading edge of dinosaurs and humans living side by side. So let's go forward with this conversation. I want to just talk again about the Akambaro figurines because this was just, I mean, museums refused to accept donations of these artifacts. They said they were fake and they didn't want anything to do with them. Uh, So it's, it's a terrible shame. And as you mentioned, a lot of these figurines were looted from the uh, original museum that was created for it in Mexico. But 
Mm-hmm. I have a story that I shared with you earlier, Dennis, about a friend of mine whose grandfather invented the Bell helicopter. And he was fascinated by the paranormal and he got involved with the Akambaro figurines and apparently acquired quite a collection. And a couple of them he brought up to upstate New York where they were taken to a scientist. And the scientist took some of the figurines that were called, I guess, creator gods, put them in a cage with mice. When they came back the next day, the mice had changed, and they now had fluted ears that looked exactly like the fluted ears on the Akambaro figurines. They were absolutely amazed at what they were looking at. They couldn't believe that this happened overnight. So anyways, my friend's grandfather took these artifacts back with him and put them in his office. But even though he was a very familiar person with the paranormal and really loved all of these topics, those figurines really creeped him out. So he ended up packing them away. He didn't want them in his office anymore. And as you were talking uh, about earlier, that some of these things come with other things. And certainly, there's more to these figurines. I mean, they don't look anything like pre-Columbian figures. They look really, really different. And some of them seem to have some type of power on their own. What do you make of that, Dennis? Well, there's several things about the collection. One, they're not like the Chapicaro. They're not made the same way as pottery. They're not like Tarascan or Aztec. Uh, it was a different method the way they did it, although it is a two-slip method, an old-fashioned way of making the pottery. But definitely it is a different culture, and it may be the oldest culture, which the Mexican government and others have fought. Um and there was a gentleman, I'm sure he's dead now, but this was about the year 2000. Uh, we were there, and he was the head of the National Archaeological ENA of all Mexico archaeology. And he was one of the early guys in on Acambaro, and they tried to cover it up. And he tried to dissuade us, but my friend Don Patton and I, we... We smuggled in a little camera, and we took pictures of documents that were down in archives at uh, Ina. And so it proved that uh, there were many, many things there. And I will tell you another thing that happened. Acambaro might have been a population of 10,000 people at maximum during the the 50s. Uh, And when Jules were died, the Mexican government sent in the army and they sequestered the, the city. Yes, they sent in the army. Oh, I'm telling you a fact. Um, <laughs> because of these artifacts. Mrs. Julesred, Mrs. Julesred was taken to the, the only hotel in Alcombaro and was under house arrest. And so they went through and took the collection, uh, most all of it, and went through what they... You know, wanted to get out of it and then return the rest of the items. Now, the family's a little bit embarrassed about this, um, and they don't want anybody to write and, you know, a book about it or anything and put it in a book. 
But it needs to be said because it is true. They they did do this, and it's well documented from the people who were there, the family and, and people who lived in Alcambaro at the time. So, yeah, there were things they wanted out of that collection. Uh, the question but is why? what? Yeah, why? Because if you're, I mean, we understand, as you explained it, that there's a certain way that we are taught to perceive history, and yeah. they don't want that to but for the Mexican government to send the army in, that tells me there was something else going on for why they wanted and to not only, yeah. Well, I, I have my belief system about aliens, as I, I mentioned earlier. But if you look at some of the Akambaro figurines, there's still a few left. They look like aliens. Yeah, some of they them. do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I have one that's really astonishing uh, the photos of it that we took but there's many little mysteries uh, you know around this collection and uh it needs a lot further investigation i hope to put a chapter or two in a book uh you know every time an old person dies it's like a library burning down and i'm getting to the mm-hmm. point that i need to to put some i have some some other i wrote one book and i'm writing two other books to put this <laughs> information down and take take pictures and stuff and and uh, make sure it's well documented and there are many mysteries uh associated with things that we just go how can that be and uh yeah but they they wanted that uh, suppressed and uh they found as you know in the collection also like the teeth of uh the owen cavernus uh, a rare horse that was supposed to be extinct in the in the ice age and only uh, not even paleontologists would have uh, probably known about this horse at the time that they and they found the the, the ceramic figurines of it um, down in one canyon they found uh, what would be freshly uh, not even fossilized what appeared to be the remains of a partially de- uh, decomposing stegosaurus dinosaur there's many things mm-hmm. about this uh, and it appears that this civilization the the area was a large lake, uh, and they lived on the edge of it, and, and then buried these things. But yeah, there. What can you say? Is as far as yeah, there's uh, there's things that just can happen with these artifacts. It's dangerous. Sometimes it's dangerous. I, I won't go into all my history, but. Uh, one time I was in Peru and with my wife and literally at the hotel. First of all, the, the shamans and stuff, they know when you're coming. If you disturb the atmosphere of coming, and I'm a Christian, and so there's two or three attempts on our on my life. And oh, no. I'm telling you, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm telling you that it's scary. It's, just, it's like a demonic thing marked over my heart. My Right there in a hotel room, some kind of demonic being marked a deal on my heart. Now, you can imagine what? what's happened to me. What's that? Yes. Well, and you just had a, a situation with your health that involved your heart, you said. Yep. Twice now. Twice? Oh, wow. And oh. not only that... So, I believe I'm going to come out of it all right, but 
these things, you have to be careful. You have to be careful when you're involved with them. And maybe there's a few things I need to get rid of out of my collection, too. I, I burned one <laughs> thing because I know it was it was oh. uh, definitely used for something that was that was evil. But there's many oh, things my. we're involved in. Like uh, I will throw a side, an aside in. Uh, you ever heard of Malachite or uh, Malachite Man? Yeah. Not well, Malachite Don and man. I, yeah, the one that uh, the bones of Malachite and turquoise. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yeah, you know, in uh, near Moab, Utah. Right. The skeletons. Well, we've been involved in that since the, the late 70s, early 80s. Oh. In fact, I was there when they just found a few more. And we were at the, uh, I was with Don, and we were in a little town near there. And uh, there's a small museum, Blanding. And we photographed the bones. They kind of tricked them a little bit, told them, you know, we need to do this. And they actually let us, the park rangers, photograph these. And then we asked them about it, and they called it a tar baby. They were sending it to the Smithsonian because they didn't know what to do with it. And the Smithsonian just put it in boxes and shelve it away somewhere. But, yeah, I have with my dinosaur vases, Dr. Carl Ma down in um, Penrose, Texas, he has one of those skeletons. Oh, no. And he really? wanted to trade oh, me. Yeah, he wanted to trade me, but I I don't have use for a green malachite or turquoise <laughs> man skeleton at my house. Well, certainly a combination conversation piece. Here's another one. How do you, in Dakota Sandstone, and these were not Indians, the number one guy in the world at the time was a forensic anthropologist. He wrote a book, Dead Men Do Tell Tales, and he examined them. They're not Native Americans. They're features on on the Malachite Man. Mm. And they were found in situ, and it wasn't a cave-in. It was from the 1930s is when all the top, they were coming down. There was no mine tunnel or anything there. It was like they were in solid rock. And uh, Lynn Ottinger, who's still alive in his 90s, was there when they found them. He came out to the site, and none of the bones were broken. They were just in stone, you know, encased in the sandstone. So it wasn't a oh. mine cave in. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah, these oh guys. Goodness. Yeah, so we get involved, and then right near there is a petroglyph of a a triceratops uh, done by the Anastasi Indians, a petroglyph down in the canyon. So there's evidence everywhere. You just have to. But, uh, yeah, I would say to you about Alcombaro, you know, it's worth the trip down there. And you could also talk to the curator at the museum, and they would probably let you look at some, you know, out of the boxes. It would be great to see those. I would love to. And, you know, just even looking at the pictures, in, and I encourage our audience to look at the pictures online and look at the pictures I have in the slideshow uh, for tonight because they're they're just mm-hmm. remarkable. I mean, there's pictures of of these figurines, and so here's the dinosaur. I'm looking at one right now, and there's a man riding it. 
Yeah. He's right. I mean, it's it's just you can imagine that yes, a, this happened. I'm going to say that there was a man who was, and I, I can't give, I won't give his name, but he was at the Smithsonian in charge of a large extent. He's a paleontologist of their fossil collection, dinosaurs, and he contacted me about uh, the Ica stones. Because there's an Ica stone with a man riding a dinosaur. It's on my website, too. Where it's a, see, Triceratops, it didn't have three horns. It had five horns. And it had a ridge along the back. And the Indian-type person has a blanket over it, and there's that skin. It's correct. And we didn't know until 2006 they found the lame Triceratops what the skin pattern is like and the skin pattern is correct on the stone plus they had five horns not three every textbook in the world is wrong the best see they broke off the horn the Kotohuko horn on both sides down below on the crest of a triceratops which I call it synchoceratops because of five horns and it right. broke off they broke off during fossilization there's only hmm. two of those that they've ever found, and the best preserved is in the Smithsonian. And this guy sent me this information, which I'm I'm going to put in the book with the, you know, the paintings and and the photographs of it. So yeah, I again, I had to see it up close. Yeah, I mean, I was amazed, Dennis, when I I read all of what you've written, and then. I, I had no idea. All I knew about when I started this investigation on my own was about Acambaro, but you've brought all of these other areas to the forefront in Peru and Egypt and Bolivia and Turkmenistan. I mean, there's American Southwest. There's so many places where this evidence exists. And that's yeah, something that like, I've... It's amazing. I have, I have some vases. You know, they, at Sakadra in Egypt, they they we use diorite to cut diamonds, and yet they made vases out of diorite that are perfectly balanced. Perfectly mm. balanced, and How I have they... one that's unfinished. Yeah, oh my they are goodness. so perfectly balanced. We have no way to make one. We can use a double-sided tungsten steel drill, diamond bitted on the side, water cooled to, to drill a hole through it, but we can't shape it. Right. I, I was on a program, and I said, now, I'm a Christian again, so I said, Lord, help me, because I don't have any, I'm <laughs> going to be on this show about Egyptian uh, things, and I don't have these artifacts, and I felt the Spirit say, you will. And within a few couple of weeks, I have, I have some of those artifacts, and I have wow. one that the guy is unfinished on the inside of the vase, and... It looks like some kind of ultrasonic drilling, because when you use, you know, the little spirals that, like, if you use a, a drill bit, it leaves little mm-hmm. spirals in the wood. Well, mm-hmm. this has spirals in the in the gran in the in the granite, but it's the spirals are like this. When you go to quartz and spellspire, if you set up a synchronization vibration of sound, it'll go faster to the quartz and the feldspar. And that's exactly the way this space is on the inside. 
Oh my God! Incredible. So how, they had to be able, and they also made things that we could not, like vases, that have a tip. That we, if we try to hold them up like a, to put a flower in, it'll fall over. Because it's sharp pointed at the end, but they perfectly balanced it so it stands up. Oh, and it was the most prized a- objects. See the, the most prized objects of the Caesars. They wanted those 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 vases. Now Caesar uh, Augustus. Anyway, they paid the equivalent of about five million dollars a day for just one of those vases. Plato no wrote kidding. about it. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. uh, The same with Akambal. There's lots of stuff that needs to be done and researched and and put out out there, you know, about this civilization. So. Absolutely. uh, I hope you're. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons we wanted you on the show. to talk about all this so our audience gets informed and they can look for your book and your new books coming out and to inform themselves because I think it's terrible to be under this this high level of secrecy and they're just they're not is that who's making all that noise <laughs> stop it <laughs> um, anyways if you have an ambient microphone it's going to pick up everything so, anyways, it's just so thrilling to have you on the show with us to to really bring this to light. And certainly, you've had amazing adventures. You've you've been at tomb openings. Now, have you been in any tomb openings in Egypt, or was this just in Peru? No, just in Peru. Um, uh, I've been to other places where, uh, you know, the various things like Turkmenistan at the time. I made you maybe only two or three people have ever been there to the one spot where it was the longest dinosaur trekway in the world. Now it's the second longest. They found one longer. But where the dinosaur tracks and the human tracks are together. And then the longest cave in the world is in Turkmenistan. It's probably about 30 miles or more. And I went in there with old Russian equipment. It was very strange because we went up there and the the hole was just about twice the size of a, of a man's body, and you had to crawl in for about 40 yards or something and then drop in, and we had old Russian equipment. And we only went so far, but there was a – because we couldn't go to the lower portions because it had flooded way down. But on the other side, it's like – I think it's onyx, but it's all white. It was all pristine, beautiful minerals everywhere and that was in uh, Turkmenistan and that's also where they uh, where there were dinosaur tracks and and human tracks together my goodness so there's many now, places there's many things that need to be explored now you're also an expert in ancient technology and you mentioned this with this particular vase that was constructed that we couldn't even come close to today what else can you tell tell us about that you've found or found out about uh, that's advanced technology from the ancient times? Well, definitely in Egypt, when you look, there's devices that we use 
if you look at their crypts and uh, sarcophagus, um, if we make something like a table, it's not perfectly flat. There's a device that you use that you can put on top, and it'll have a little light will shine under it. Some of theirs are perfectly flat. There's no light mm-hmm. that shines under it. It's perfectly flat, 9 or 10 feet. And not only wow. that, whatever they use went so fast. Like we have circular saws, and if you're using it in wood, you, sometimes you go past the mark, and you have to back out and mm-hmm. fill it in with a little wood putty. There's occasionally you'll find in their workmanship somebody made a mistake. But they, how did they – I mean – they, they they had to be using some kind of instrumentation of mechanical devices that went so fast through hard material, and we can't do that. No, and we can't. So, and then there's been there's been a lot of talk about in Egypt in the tombs. There was no sign of uh, any type of gas lamps being used, but yeah. then they do have that big light bulb that's in mixed in with the hieroglyphics and some of these tombs. What do you think that was? Yeah, I don't know how they how they did that. Uh you're you're correct. Inside the tombs there's no smudge marks. They didn't use torches. Did they use some kind no. of lighting device or or mirrors to reflect? I just don't know. But I do know that the way they put things together the, like the the the, the granite, um, the, the the stones that weigh 200 tons at the top, um, and the precision that some of them you still can't put a razor blade in between. You find the same kind of technology in Peru and other places, like Sajuaman or Tambo, similar. Mm-hmm. And the braces down below. And I got out of an airplane without a parachute at 13,000 feet. Because that's how high the how airport did... was. In... Well, that's how high the airport was. See, the okay. airport was oh. 13,000 feet. So <laughs> I said, now that we're in. But if you look at, like, Lake Titicaca, at the bottom, it's 130 miles by about 40 miles. There's ruins at the bottom of that lake at 13,000 oh, plus 12,000, 30,000. Yeah, at the bottom. So there had to be some massive cataclysmic event around that civilization and yet you look around at the things they did up there and maybe 2% of Tiwanaku is even excavated the rest is unexcavated I mean water is really there and did they have portable smelts uh, for the metallurgy because they have the clamps down below that hold the, the stones together and then the deepest canyon in the world is the is not the Grand Canyon, it's the Cotahuasi, which is two miles three hundred meters. It's in Peru. It's it below Peru. Lake Titicaca. And I've been there. It's not spectacular like the Grand Canyon, but it's two miles three hundred meters deep at the deepest. And at the top are over sixty volcanoes. So these volcanoes rose up. You can't go any further. It's like a, that's it, the volcano wall. The highest is 20,000 plus feet. And, and, and wow. there's a little place of maybe uh, 100, 150 people live in this little village. And pure-blood Indians, Amar uh, Indians, have a deep mud red color. That's the way the American Indians would have looked, pure blood. Mm-hmm. 
So mm-hmm. you still see some uh, residual thing of the red men. And that at the top, you see it just rose up, those volcanoes, and then it pushed up. Now, it appears that maybe Tiwanaku was a port city, and the everything pushed up, the mountains and everything, suddenly, and it's up at 13,000 feet. Now, that's pretty amazing. That's, but if you look at the amazing. evidence, like all mountains, look at all mountains. They have a sharp peak. They don't have a rounded peak. It's no, the they mountains. don't. Yeah. Well, right. if they were 20 million years old, it would be rounded. Ah, okay. I see what you're getting at. So something yeah, rose up and pushed. And every right. person, every civilization in the world has flood legends about a worldwide flood. Every every civilization that I know of has these stories that carry down. They have different names. They have a different number of people, four or eight or six and all that. So it's all fascinating top information. Gosh, but from a creationist so much... perspective, oh, uh-huh. now think about fossils aren't forming right now. Fossils don't take millions of years. You have to have something happen very fast. So it has to be the yes. right conditions. Mixing yes. it like cement. And then it has to be heavy, pushing out the air molecules to form and to to bring the impression. So in well, the fossil some... record, you know, there's we found over 1,014 living fossils. Now, that's a misnomer, isn't it? Something, yeah. How can you have a living fossil? <laughs> right. How can you? So that says that you've got real problems with their given theories about evolution. And, uh, you know, if you go back to everything, goes back like Ur of the Chaldees. How long ago was that when they had writing? Only about 6,000 years ago. If there were eight people 5,000 years ago, how many people would you have on the planet right now? Seven to eight billion. I yeah. mean, look at the, all the... That's not creationist. That's Encyclopedia Britannica and mathematical formulas. Yeah, exactly. Figuring it's, it's just, in death rate and everything else. So there's many mysteries. See, there are, and there's just... To me, it's mind-boggling that we have the technology we have today. We have... But we don't let all of the truth come out. So how can we possibly get to the bottom of any... You know, if a lot of these pieces are being hidden away. It's it's just because, is not fair. That's, you know, uh, Pride, Alison, Alexander Solzhenitsyn had an earthy statement in the Gulag Archipelago. Pride grows on the human heart like lard on a pig. See, the problem is people can't admit <laughs> that they're wrong. Yes. And, 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 and I think you've... Another agenda, though, too, Dennis. I think you've clearly identified when you mentioned the Mexican army coming in and taking over Acambaro and putting that poor woman under house arrest, that there is something else that yes. they might have a glimmer of, but they want control over certain things, and they're yes. not going to let the public know what those things are. And that's why we took photographs of uh, the, the reports and stuff in the archives. And Don Patton, do do you know Don Patton? We don't know him, no. He's an interesting guy. He's also a creationist 
but he would have some information, different inter- tidbits of information that I don't have about that because he was photographing and I was, I mean, he could, might be able to enlighten some other things about Akambaro. We've tried different yeah. methods. There are people there, other people who have figurines from that time period, but they won't, won't sell them. But, uh, um, I, I promise you what you need for your house is a Malachite green man skeleton and <laughs> some Akambaro figurines. That would fit over here. Let me Profit tell you. The living room. <laughs> yeah, it would fit right in. My husband would love that. So maybe I better not mention it. What do you think, PK? <laughs> I, I definitely don't tell him. <laughs> yeah. But again, That's it's just the mysteries. Yeah, the mysteries of this. Now, I do have a question for you that just came in from the chat room. Somebody wants to know, can you please explain what creationism is? Well, creationism looks for scientific scientific evidence of recent creation and that there is a creator who created. So that's basically it. And we find, you know, that like, for instance, um, you know, Jesus, did he take millions of years to to multiply the fish in loaves? No, the fish became immediately multiplied. Is there any evidence in creation that God did it instantaneously? How about the world's tiniest mystery? For instance, there's plutonium-14 radioactive material in granite. It disappears faster than you can blink your eyes, and yet it's captured in the granite. It had to form instantly for many miles. Dr. Robert Gentry, he was at Oak Ridge Laboratories, and he wrote the book. He's a scientist, The World's Tiniest Mystery. And geologists were given the assignment from the geology societies of the world, explain this. And they don't have an answer. In other words, granite didn't take millions and millions of years to form. It formed instantaneously. Uh oh. Because it would be like me shooting a bullet. It's like me shooting a bullet at water and the water freezes around it. So it has to freeze really quick. And for the Mm. plutonium halos and radioactive material to be in the granite, it had to form instantaneously, and some of it up to a minute, but it was fast. Wow. I've got to wrap my mind around this one. People say say they're looking for evidence, but what kind of evidence are you looking for? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, If you don't know what you're looking for. And it's not a question of bias, but what is the best bias to be biased with? You cannot bypass your bias. You're going to have a bias, but everybody has a bias. But what is the best bias to be biased with? And there's very few absolutes, but the absolutes are absolutely absolute. Okay. So who am I going to trust? See, I've cast out a lot of – many times – well, several times cast out demons and encountered the dark side. And so Jesus talked about this. So I trust him because he's the only one that told the truth. Yeah, and you have dominion over these. You said you have dominion over these entities. We do. We have authority. 
We have authority. Right. And so you're able to keep yourself safe because there are a lot of entities that have been uh, mentioned in literature by historians and other people that have been trapped in those tombs. And when the tombs open up, these things are let out to do whatever mayhem they are going to do. In and, fact, in that book, a, a Search in Secret Egypt, the historian there talked about it and how he encountered an adept in the Valley of the Kings. And the adept told him, you guys got to stop opening up those tombs because you're letting out all of these mm-hmm. entities. The Egyptians knew how to bind them to the tombs to protect the tombs, but you're letting them out and you will see just chaos and disasters throughout the world and you'll never be able to track it back to these things but that's where it comes from and i, I thought that was a fascinating explanation mm-hmm. and certainly one to consider um about this because we do we still opening up tombs and checking a, them out there's but a massive book there's a big book called um ufos by gary bates and there's a chapter called encounters of the fourth kind. I think it's the fourth kind. What UFO researchers can explain is why people who encounter aliens, the aliens always want to say that Jesus wasn't God or Jesus was an avatar or something. And yet when the people take the authority of Jesus, the so-called aliens flee. Really? Mm. Wow. Yeah. So, what is the propaganda if there's an enemy and Satan, and I believe there's a Satan and I believe there's demons, they're, they're, they're more intelligent than I am. And they've been studying us for a long time. So I've worked with a lots of people. And I can tell you that universally, all people seem to have the same problems. One of them is telling yeah, the they truth. Mm-hmm. Oh, everybody. And yeah. with, oh. See, everybody, if I were to ask you, not, don't take the test, but in your mind you can take this. Have you ever lied? Well, of course. Have you ever stolen anything? Now, remember, you just told me you were a liar. So <laughs> people lie. They steal. The next, the next thing is everybody, you know, has committed adultery in their heart because they looked at a man or a woman and lust. So right now we're dealing with people who are lying, stealing, and adulterous people. And they've taken mm. God's name in vain. So they're blasphemers. So how am I going to trust them? Little kids, you don't have to teach them to lie. All the swift babies were born with this swift curse. Bald, toothless, and illiterate. That's a joke. But they, they all, they, you don't have to teach them. The little kids are going are gonna to deceive. So, and I'm trying my best today to tell the truth all, all day long. It's hard. And I don't think I've told you anything to mislead you so far. No, but, I think it, so, you've been funny with everything. Well, I'm trying, to be, I'm trying to be fair and honest, mm-hmm. and that's hard because I like people to like it's but, hard you know, for everybody. It's, but, hey, you're talking to the supernatural folks here, and we have very open minds. I mean, we even had Dr. Gallagher on our show, an Ivy League trained psychiatrist, who came on and said, I'm going to tell you right now, demons are real. And it was yeah. a great show because here's the guy yeah. who is committed to telling the truth. Yeah. He said, I've, you know, I don't care yeah. what my colleagues think. 
Um, I've had these experiences. I know the difference between somebody who's mentally ill and somebody who is possessed. Yes. And it yes. was fascinating, you know, hearing from him. So certainly, you know, we agree with you. These things yes. do exist. They no, have a they lot do. of power. And yeah. we are being absolutely silly if we don't think they exist. They do. They do. There are dark forces, and we need to get ourselves up to speed and as conscious as we can possibly be. You talk about being a good yeah. person in terms of telling the truth, so that's part of it, but also being conscious, you know, not going mm-hmm. into denial about things that we don't understand, but being willing to open up yeah. to try to understand. We need to. Yeah. Yeah, there's just so much that we're we're in, we're in a fog about, you know, that we don't yes. understand. You know, and yes. uh, you would like to see, you know, I, I, I've seen a few people with, you know, that actually incredible things happen, you know, around them in, in, in their in their ministry, the miraculous. I mean, there's just things that happen, and I have to admit that it's, it's there. But other times, you know, I, we all have doubts, and we waver, and we go, what about all this? And there's just so much we don't know that leaves us in a quandary sometimes. We still but don't know I how the like, pyramids No. We, no. we still don't know. It's like we're so far, no. you know, we're lost when it comes to understanding their technology and how they did what they did. We still don't understand it. We really don't. It's it's crazy. They could move, that after all, yeah, they could do things. They, there are areas that they were advanced in that supersedes us. And in other areas, they were just very primitive and were way behind us. And you go, wow, you know. Uh, what did they understand about alignment? You, you and of course you're familiar with Coral Castle down in uh, oh yeah in uh, Florida. And I remember yes. that 25, 30 years ago, and I have a lot of stuff on that. But that's another, you know, somebody gets a little glimpse and and breaks part of the secret open, and is able to do some incredible things. Yeah, yeah. all fascinating. Those granite blocks, and and uh, he never did reveal the secret, but he said he found it in the library. He was reading yeah. some books in the library, and that's where he found it. He was able to put the equation together and figure out how to lift those those big granite blocks and uh, coral blocks, I should say. Uh, so yeah, there's there's people who do get, like you said, glimpses of the truth of what Egypt was all about, or some of these other cultures. What they knew. I mean, Egyptians even knew that heat kills cancer. And that is in mm. some of their hieroglyphic writings. They knew this. And yet here we are so many years later using uh, all these other toxic methods to kill cancer when heat can kill cancer. And there's actually a company called Celsian that I worked for many years ago. And they used microwave uh, technology to kill cancer. I believe it had to be above 106 degrees, but it was highly targeted and it worked. But ancient Egyptians knew this. They knew this thousands of years ago. Yeah. I, I know. We. I wish we could, you know, I've been reading a lot of different things about vitamins and things, and and there are certain people who have given diseases that they test them, they all have the same deficiency of vitamins. Yes. And I was That's just reading right. a doctor from New Zealand 
and what his mother went through, and it's a terrible story, but how she was saved, and he happened to be the young doctor that saved her. She was going to have her legs amputated and everything. The oh, doctor said, there's nothing God. we can do. And he, you know, he, he came up with certain vitamins, and he's proved to the years that, that uh, taking these things over a period of time and sticking with it and uh, can make a dramatic change in people's health. So, yeah, we we got to yeah. we got to go back to some basics. For we sure. really do. And, and there are people who are knowledgeable like you and like this doctor you mentioned uh, that can bring things to the forefront. And thank God for the Internet that we're able to find out a lot of these things on our own. But let me ask you this, well, Dennis. I, uh, you also yeah. are identified as a cryptozoologist. So tell us about that. Have you encountered any unusual creatures in your journeys? Well, I have never person. I have friends who search for Makili Mbembe, uh, William Gibbons. You know, he's down in the uh, in Africa and uh, the Cameroons and the Congo. The Congo, the swamp is larger. Lagatoli Swamp is larger than the state of Florida. I was just in the Amazon last October, and I didn't see a dinosaur. But I went to a spot <laughs> that uh, is kind of it was remote. And it happened to be discovered by accident. But here's a hunting scene. Here's a guy. There's eight warriors, and there's a dinosaur. And this is about 4,000 years ago. And they're surrounding it. And then, of course, there's people worshiping the sun next to it. It's, it's a, a painting of people on their knees, and they can tell they're worshiping the sun. And then over on the other side, pornography. I mean, there you go. Uh, but here's <laughs> it's kind of that's kind of true everywhere, too, you know, the human yeah. nature. So, but I have I have looked for things. Uh, I have a lot of stuff here. Uh, footprints of Bigfoot. As I say, I have a T-shirt, and uh, it says uh, uh, it has a picture of Bigfoot, world's champion, hide and go seek champion. <laughs> you know. That is cute. And. Uh, I have a guy, uh, another friend, Dave Watzel, and I've tried some looking for pterosaurs down in Mexico, uh, you know, pteranodons and pterosaurs, and he's just in New Guinea looking for a pterosaur. So there may still be some leftover species. Uh, there is a giant turtle that uh, is in Science Magazine 1958, and it's very large, and it was supposed to be extinct like 150 million years ago. Well, it's still alive, and there's little oh, villages my down goodness. there. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> and, and you know they 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 catch them and eat them, and stuff. Oh. And we're thinking, well, but uh, the last I checked, there was 1,014 living fossils. Animals oh are supposed to be extinct that are still around that they find. So no doubt, I don't know. There's been spottings in the Amazon of uh, the ankylosaur type dinosaur. And they even found a footprint that's of a dinosaur down there. So it's very possible. It's still, it's got to be, uh, you know, not too many left for sure. But um, there's just, yeah, I've never, never uh, found anything, but I've looked for a few things. And a lot of my yeah. friends, they, they spend a lot of money. And I don't have a lot of money, 
And I also have a lot of friends who search for Noah's Ark. They're oh, always out okay. going to Mount Ararat. Uh, Don Patton, uh, uh, Don Shockey, Carl Baugh, a whole list of people who search for Noah's Ark. And I'm not sure it's on the mountain they think it is, but maybe. Yeah, that's worth a look, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're out there doing it, you know. Good, so that, and good I, for you. But, yeah. There's yeah. just so much we need to know, so much, and I, I would love to see all of this come to the forefront, PK. I know you do too. It's really important information. It's part of who we are, and when it's hidden away the way it's been, it, it makes things, I think, too challenging. So it's time for this stuff to really well, come out. Well, as you know, there's always the there's always the thought police. Like I mm-hmm. said, when yeah. I was in Peru at National Geographic in 2002. All right, we're filming everything, and it never makes the TV. Um, right. William Shatner uh, is that weird or not? Uh, not. I had all of these artifacts. I had all this material. They didn't put any of it on there. Zero. Ah. They only ah. do the outtakes. The the show is already planned. The outcome is already planned. Yes, it is. So, yeah. so. You know, and you go to all this trouble, and had all this, all these artifacts, they have all kinds of material, and they only want to put stuff that makes you look stupid. It, that's not They're fair. Cut everything else out. No, it's mm, not yeah, it's, because it's on the other hand, if William Shatner put that he believed that dinosaurs and man lived together, it'd be kind of the, his probably his last programs and. We'd be visiting him at a retirement home for senility or something, because <laughs> people are not going to, you know. But, but presented yeah. with the evidence, you know, presented with the evidence, I think like-minded people, open-minded people, could really consider this, and things could change. And that's why it's great that you're writing these books, Dennis, and it's great that you're coming mm-hmm. on shows like Snap Girls to talk about it, and to really open up communication lines. Uh, with these these uh, these experiences of the past, again, it's part of who we are, and it's been stripped from us. And we've we've been told we have to believe a certain way, but it isn't that way. Now, let me ask you too, because we talked briefly about uh, Chaco Canyon, which is a very mysterious yes. place. Tell us what you know about that. Well, I, my dad used to live. I. I grew up in New Mexico. As I said, it looks like 200,000 square miles of kitty litter. So New Mexico is um, the Chaco Canyon. From all I know about it and the times I was there, when I used to visit, it was not easy to get to. It was just, you know, you had to go by kind of a wagon-rutted type road, four-wheel drive, or have a very good vehicle to get in there. And it wasn't hardly ever visited. Um, the The acoustics of the kivas are amazing, um, amazing acoustics. And underneath was a trap door, which they had people come out from the underworld, from the Sipapu hole, and they did the dancing. So the kivas, if you imagine the way they used to be, that are there. And then it was for ceremonial place. It was for astronomical observance. It was not, they did not live there. 
There is so definitely you were, evidence this is a, of this is a place of sorcery, right? Yeah, they did that too. And Judd, uh, it's a big, thick book. The archaeologist's last name was Judd. Uh, wrote about Chaco Canyon, and they also found in the Corpolite, um They found that they had practiced cannibalism. Oh my God! Well, well, it's just a—it's just a historical fact. Mm. I mean, oh, uh, and I not guess. only, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you saw my house, my 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 wife passed away a few years ago, but she couldn't keep it organized either because of all the books I have. I have thousands and thousands and thousands of books. But the, the, I have a lots of books about that too, Anastasi, and uh, the others, uh, and his archaeological reports. Um, it's a big, thick volume, very expensive, but it does document it. They they did a lot of research, and they didn't live there. They did it for mm-hmm. ceremonial purposes. Is astronomically aligned. Up above on the other side, there's lots of pieces of pottery that was broken. They were interested in walking on straight lines. Um, now, the Indian people, the descendants, believe it was for some kind of black magic. I don't know. But uh, you find the, the laying out of these lines uh, and are very all over the place uh, around the world, and the same as in Peru. So they were, they were involved in things there uh, for ceremonial purposes for astrological uh, looking at the star. All the ancient people understood things about the alignment of the stars and the planets that we do not understand. So something of those lines was going on there and um, some bad things too. So that's what I know about Chaco Canyon. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Now, would you please also, Dennis, tell people your website so they can go to your website right. and be a of your books and everything else that you're yeah, doing. Yeah, I have a, uh, uh, just a, a website called dinosaursandman.com, or they just put Dennis Swift and dinosaurs, and they'll find there. And the book um, is uh, about the ecostones and dinosaurs and man living together. So they can and you have two new books copy. you said that you're working on now uh, so that people can buy your original book, but you have two more coming out. So please promise that you'll let us know when your books are going to be available so we can let everybody know. We'll put it on the website for you, and we'll have you yeah. back. For sure. We've only scratched the surface of all of this, I know. Yeah, and well, it is- yeah, I've enjoyed talking with you today. It's a pleasure. This is you know, when, well, you, when you have information and you walk around, most people are just caught up in politics and mm-hmm. day-to-day existence. And you sometimes uh, would like to just discuss some other things like this with them, but, you know, their lives mm-hmm. are busy. So I'm glad that uh, you've had me on the program today. Oh, we've well, enjoyed it immensely. Yes, you're a yes. great guest, uh, just terrific guest, and we're going to have you back and let us know as you come close to publishing the next two books, and then we'll uh, help you promote them on the show and talk about all the new information that you're going to be releasing. I mean, this is so important. All of the work that you're doing is incredibly important for all of us. 
And we just can't yeah. thank you enough. It's been wonderful, well, wonderful evening. Thank you for the encouragement. You know, encourage is a compound word that means to pour in courage. And discourage is a compound word that means to take out courage. So thanks for encouraging me. God uh, bless you. Oh, uh, bless you too, Dennis. God bless you. Delight. Yes, thank yeah, you thank so you. much. And and we are going to keep in touch with you for sure. And next week, everybody, I wanted to let you know that we did have a bit of a glitch of an audio problem with Spreaker, but we will be broadcasting from Spreaker next week. We also now have our own iHeart channel, so you can find this show and all of our other shows on iHeart, on Blog Talk, and on Spreaker. So you will find us in all three places, but our live shows, Next week will be on Spreaker. And we thank you for your patience, everybody, as we switch back and forth. <laughs> We're just trying to get you the best possible audio experience. And, again, thank you so much for joining us tonight with our great guest, Dr. Dennis Swift. Make sure you go to his website, get his book, and we'll keep in mm-hmm. touch with everybody about the next two books that are coming out that I know are going to be so incredibly exciting. So until next week, everybody, we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls. Patricia? Yes, ma'am. I apologize. I had my phone shut off, but it was plugged into the computer. So when it rang, it didn't ring through the phone. It rang through the damn computer. I about freaked. I couldn't couldn't get it off fast enough. That's so funny. I thought it was Dennis uh, fidgeting around. I didn't think it was you. (laughs) Yeah, well, it was. I I had the phone shut off, everything turned off. But I, I didn't think of it being plugged into the computer that when it oh. rang, it didn't ring on the phone. It rang through the goddamn computer. And I'm going, holy <laughs> Christ, I couldn't find the cord. First, I tried to shut it off with the phone. That wasn't working because the phone was off. So I had to find I where I put the not, plug. That's so funny. Yeah. I could not figure out where it was coming from. And I thought, that it must be Dennis. He must be, you know, moving around in his chair and his desk. At, at one point, I thought I heard a briefcase being zipped. So I thought, it must be that he's on some type of headset microphone that's picking up all this ambient noise, but maybe it was partially your phone. I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) When the phone rang, it rang, and I went, holy crap, and I couldn't move fast enough. Jesus. Oh, well, I didn't hear the phone. I just heard other noises, so I don't know what they were, but anyways, he's a great guest. We've got to have him. Yes, he's a delight. Yeah, lots of great Very Uh, interesting stories. Let me ask you a question. Uh, do we do two breaks or not? We do, but we I just let one. it go this time. Yeah, because well, he, he has two much times, so I'm not, I'm not sure. Was it, that's why I'm asking if we do or don't. Okay. 
Yeah, so we do. I, yeah, I usually do. But when he was going on such a great tangent, I figured I'd let him. That's okay. So with me. I, can I just add, want to double check. Yeah. We have to add the commercials yeah, in after anyway. Oh, okay. So, oh, see, I don't know. That. Yeah, so I have to cut in other stuff, and I figured, ah, eh, we'll add it in later. I'm not going to worry about it. Good. But he was so interesting. I didn't want to yes, interrupt his flow. Very much, very much so. so. Yeah, I'm going to go up honey and tea and. All right. Well, you take care of yourself. You sound a lot better though. Honey. I'm glad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks, son. Thanks. Take care. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, bye, dear. Bye. Bye.